to this week's edition of the Casual Shooters Podcast. This week, again, we have a full house. You have me, Dave. You have Leo. Hello. You have Huggy. Hey. And we have two guests from the military, active duty military, Air Force shooters. We have Casey. Casey, say hello. Hello. And Nick, say hello. Hey, good evening. All right, two guys from the Action Pistol team. And Leo, take it away. All right. Well, uh, gentlemen, it will give you about uh, 30 seconds each. Go ahead and introduce yourselves, rank uh, original MOS when you entered, and uh, we'll go from there. All right. Um, I'm Captain Casey Ryan. I'm a 31 Papa, which is a security forces officer. Been in the Air Force for it'll be six years tomorrow, actually. Uh, currently stationed at Joint Base San Antonio, Fort Sam Houston, and getting ready to go to Ellsworth Air Force Base, South Dakota, uh, in a few short weeks for my next assignment. So um, I went to college, started shooting in college, and uh, met an Air Force shooting team member at one of the three-gun matches I was attending. Talked to him, talked him up a little bit and said, hey, that looks pretty cool. I'm joining the Air Force next year. Uh, he put me in touch with the team captain, and I applied as soon as I got on active duty and was fortunate enough to be picked up. And I've been on the team so the entire time I've been in the Air Force, uh, luckily enough. And I just took over as uh, team captain a couple months ago from Master Sergeant uh, Mark Zebert. So that's a little bit about me. Congratulations, by the way, on coming up on your time. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. All right. And I'm Staff Sergeant Nicholas Fralick. Uh, grew up in Yorktown, Virginia. Joined the Air Force in 2011. I am also a 31 prop, uh, 31 Papa, 3PO, 51 Bravo. So I'm a combat arms instructor. I pretty much teach the general populace of the Air Force how to shoot. So guns have been my life for quite a while. I was working in the armory in about 2015. I decided to go out to a three-gun match. I had a, um, a father-in-law at the time that pressured me to go try out for the Air Force shooting team if there was one, since he was on the Marine Corps shooting team in a past life uh, for service rifle, I believe. God bless him. And yeah. So pursued that. Got in contact with Master Sergeant Zebart, who was the captain at the time. And the rest is history. Uh, just like Casey took over as team captain, I just took over as NCOIC. So I'll be the, the two IC behind Captain Ryan. So, yeah, we're trying to come in strong. As far as current duty stations, I am currently at the 11th Security Forces at Bowling Air Force Base right along 295 that we've just taken over from the Navy, actually. Okay, so we've got two pretty important people in front of us right now as far as Air Force shooting is concerned. So we definitely uh, want to ask Yeah, yeah, huge, huge questions. deal. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> kind of a big deal. Don't worry, deal. Huggy and Dave are a big deal too. I'm just along for the ride. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Uh, it seems as though at least half of you have listened to maybe one episode. Um, great. It was the one that I got shot in the face. But um, if, let's, if you let's, haven't listened, let's clarify that because I don't want the podcast. Listeners nope, we don't have listening. time. We don't have time. Huggy. We'll get back to it. We'll circle back. <laughs> um, so we like to ask getting to know you questions. And so we'll start off with 
your favorite book, and as you are the highest ranking person here, Captain, uh, you can go first. Favorite book, um, I wish I could say it was a big reader. Um, I've been trying to read more nonfiction lately, leadership books and things like that, but um, I, the one was most enjoyable or impactful to me was probably Lone Survivor by Marcus Luttrell. So definitely shaped, shaped okay. the way I viewed sacrifice uh, in a lot of ways. So I'll take it a different route. I am a, uh, a big fantasy nerd. And I read a lot of a lot of fiction books. Right now, the the series that I'm liking the most is probably, oh gosh, it's a toss up. The Iron Druid Chronicles by Kevin Hearn. Uh, that was he originally wrote them out in Tempe, Arizona, and I was living out in El Paso and managed to drive all the way to Phoenix and visit the bar that a good part of the books took place in. And that was that was pretty awesome. Okay, very cool. Um, all right, just saying, I'm a little surprised the Air Force doesn't read more books, you know. But it's okay; it's a judgment-free zone. Yeah, they encourage it, but you know, I'd rather go shooting. <laughs> that, okay, fair. Good answer. You win this good round, answer. Sir. All right. So, uh, what is your favorite film? And it can be the book. You know, it's fine. But favorite movie. No, no, no. It, it's uh, I'll go a different route for sure. Um, it, it I would say it's Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, the cinematography, the score, the acting, the um, the the journey itself. I mean, that, I love that movie. It's so good, and the books are good too. But the movie is just fantastic. Agreed. I am a a big Star Wars fan. And I would have to go with uh, Empire Strikes Back. Clarifying question. Original or like the recut with all the new stuff? There was minimal recut for Empire as far as my understanding goes. Most of it was in A New Hope and Return of the Jedi. You got to love a guy that knows what I'm talking about. All right. Perfect. <laughs> wow. Oh, who, who was the other guy? Was, yeah. Who was the other one? He, he hasn't come up yet. Oh, okay. You'll have to listen to find it's, out. It's, we can go ahead and say it now, but it's uh, Riley Bowman from ConcealedCarry.com. He also said Lord of the Rings. Man, I don't know him, but uh, sounds like a good guy. <laughs> He's a master class carry optic shooter. Yeah, he was A-class at Area 2. Yes. He, he took my lunch money. <laughs> 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 oh, that's funny. We will let him know that. <laughs> well, he'll know now because he listens. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's awesome. Okay, so uh, since since you guys are uh, military, and we don't often get to ask this question, but who is your favorite superhero? Oh, man. I don't think I've ever been asked that in my life. Uh <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Favorite superhero. I I wish I I don't have one, but I did somebody I was coming through the uh the gate the other day on base and I was wearing a Captain America shirt. Um and I am a captain and uh one of my guys said I looked like Captain America. So that was pretty started laughing at me. I didn't know why he was laughing. Um I know I don't actually look like him, but um 
well, if you've seen Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I think we have a match. Yes, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't have one, unfortunately. That's a fun We're going with Captain America, then. All right. It's decided. Okay. Yep. Stamp of approval. All right, Nick. Mine would be Green Arrow. Uh, I've always been a fan of the humor that Oliver Queen has in the comics. Um, the CW show is very good. It kind of spun out of control towards the end there, but what yeah. show doesn't these days? Yeah, I agree. Just for I the record, say, mine's Wonder Woman. Yeah. I'm Just very saying. surprised none of you said Captain Marvel, but that's cool. <laughs> Couldn't tell you what Captain Marvel does. No idea. Me either. That's I have it. no idea. Yeah, I, I haven't watched the Captain Marvel movie yet, unfortunately. That's a, it would have been a little on the nose. Um, all right. Well, along the same vein, uh, who is your favorite historical figure? Um, for me, Jesus. I, you know, that's not a very exciting answer, but... Hey, that's um, a good answer. You know, probably most impactful. That's yeah. a very good answer. <laughs> yeah. Not trying to trump you, Nick. Sorry, man. Just uh, <laughs> definitely most impactful to my life and... I think a lot of a lot of uh, humanity. Nick, so. just go ahead and turn off your mic. It's all good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See you guys. All right. Um, now I'll, I'll go a more recent history, I guess. Um, so, growing up in Yorktown, I got to visit a lot of Revolutionary and Civil War sites. Um, so I had a different take than a lot of people growing up I found being in the military but I would say Ulysses S. Grant even though he wasn't a great president he did win the Civil War um, I did a book report on him in the fourth grade and found out that I ended up being related to him so oh wow oh, that's just one that kind of is near and dear to my heart <laughs> that's pretty cool yeah, that is yes. pretty neat. Again, gracing us with her with your presence. Thank yeah. you. Next time, yes. Next time I look look at that money, I'll be like, "Oh, look, that's Nick's yeah. relative." <laughs> yeah. Crazy. All right. So Leo is um, trying to fix his frozen uh, face. So, the next question uh, is kind of a two parter. One um, favorite firearm and favorite caliber. They don't have to be. Just because you say 1911, your favorite caliber doesn't have to be 45. That's that's the example. Awesome. Um, yeah. Okay. So my favorite firearm I've got right here, actually, it's my three gun AR. Um, I love it so much. I even have the Air Force logo engraved. Nice. On it. Um, yep. But this thing is a lot of fun to shoot, and um, that's in five five six, but or two two three wild, whatever. But I'd say my favorite caliber. Probably 17 HMR. Uh, it's a rimfire caliber. I, I had one um, way back in the day, and I shot a lot of squirrels with it. It was just a really, really, really fun, fun rifle to shoot. Have you? Have you? Now I'm I'm a somewhat like Nick. I'm a nerd, but I'm a numbers nerd. So I'm like a an Excel groupie, um, and I am a ballistics groupie. Um, have you run the mm -hmm. ballistics on that before? No, no, no. This is, I had one when I was first kind of getting into shooting before I did any competition stuff, I think. Um, no, I couldn't tell you any, any of the ballistics. I just remember it was, it was a fun, tiny little round, uh, 40 grains going at 2,800 feet per second or whatever it is. It's, it's, 
it's a little blazing round and it, there's no recoil to it. So it's fun. Yeah. It's, it's like shooting a pencil. I mean, it's just straight flat. It's very nice. Yeah. All right, Nick. So I have my long range AR 10 here. Um, I managed to get it with the state of Texas on there because I spent four years out in Texas in El Paso. So a little homage there to it. This, uh, this is chambered in 6.5 Creed, which, sorry, I'm left-handed, so it, it looks opposite, but gun is cleared. Okay. So, uh, still haven't broken the barrel in on this one yet, and my bolt gun loads were showing a little overpressure, so I need to do some load, load development for that. But i looking forward to stretching this one out. I have a 308 upper for it. This one's in... This one's in 6.5 Creed, but I think 308 is probably my favorite caliber. I so agree. I have I kind of had the same thing. I have the uh, Ruger Precision 308, um, bold action, beautiful gun, <clears throat> and then I built two LR uh, 308s myself. So um, excellent. So there, I I love them. Uh, one's yes. with a bull barrel, and oh my gosh, I just. I love it. It just feels, it feels something about it. It's like when it when I pull that trigger, it just feels so good. So yes. I'm with you, Nick. Yes, <laughs> you, you get a a healthy amount of recoil with it. Very healthy amount of recoil. The 308, yeah. yeah. Now, Nick, what do you uh, do? You shoot competition with your rifle? Uh, I have not shot competition with that upper, but I have shot two of the Quantico long range matches, uh, one in production with a bolt gun and one in gas gun with the 308 upper. So PRS? Yes. The ones that they specifically did at Quantico. Okay. Yeah. But but not NRA. No. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's been my only foray into the the long range game. I'm just kind of getting my feet wet. Okay. Uh, wow. I am, I'm like, I was gonna say, what happened what there? Happened there? <laughs> That's weird. Okay. <laughs> That's a first. Um, right. So Leo had created these questions. His um, next question was, how old were you guys when you first started shooting? Uh, I grew up shooting... Um, during the summer at summer camps, we'd go to uh, YMCA summer camps as a, as a kid and shoot 22s. Uh, that's the, pretty much the extent of my shooting until I hit 18. And when I turned 18, um, <laughs> I told my parents I was going and going to buy a shotgun and they were a little apprehensive. We didn't have any guns in the house and I came home with an AR-15 <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, they, they were pretty pissed about it, but, um, that kind of started a, a journey for my family into the, the second amendment world a little bit. Uh, and now, now we all own lots of weapons, but, um, just kind of plinking for, for, uh, most of that time. And then before I turned right before I turned 21, uh, we got a Glock 19 that I was going to start carrying once I turned 21 and could get a, a carry permit. And, uh, my buddy, had shot some IDPA matches and I was like, yeah, that looks pretty cool to, to, uh, build some competency, um, with the gun that I'm going to carry. I should probably know what I'm doing with it if I'm going to carry it. So shot those for, um, a few months. Wasn't very good. I think I saw some videos of 
Jerry Michalik on YouTube and was kind of fascinated with that type of shooting, more the, the, the competitive side, um, USPSA and, and the three gun. And I walked into a local gun range um, about six months after I turned 21 and, and walked out with a job making custom hearing protection for uh, for a, a guy who had a small company down in Birmingham when I was going to college. And through that job, uh, he brought me to USPSA matches and uh, I was hooked. So <laughs> within a few months of, of going and working at a couple of these matches, um, I started getting gear, started uh, practicing. And my first match was uh, August of 2013. It was actually a level three match was my first USPSA match I ever shot shooting a Glock 30, I think it was a Glock 34 with a 40 cal conversion in limited. Which match um, was And ever it? since then, I've been, uh, it was area uh, four. Okay. Area four. It was in, in 2013. 2013. It was in okay. somewhere in the middle of Oklahoma, I think, or, or Arkansas. Hmm. Uh, it, was, it was in the middle of nowhere. Um, and I had, we, we got there the day before. I spent two hours walking stages. Um well past when the range was closed because we had an RV, so we were staying on the range. And we, he was, uh, Brad Ganaway is the, the, my, was my employer and kind of the guy who got me into it. And we were walking stages and talking strategy and all this sort of stuff. And I just, I just fell in love with, with action shooting um, and been shooting a lot ever since then. Okay. So my story is going to sound very similar in the very, very beginning. Um, I shot a 12 gauge and a 22 rifle in Boy Scout camp growing up, um, about two times total, maybe three. Yeah, three times total I had fired a, a rifle or a firearm, and I never fired a centerfire rifle or a pistol until I joined the military. So, wow. Yeah, I was 20 years old. And I got an M9 in my hands for the first time, and... I'm sorry. I actually kind of <laughs> like the M9. I, I have... Oh, my gosh. Turn your mic off, Nick. <laughs> <laughs> I, have a, I have a weird <laughs> service pistol uh, addiction, I guess. So I have various different service pistols around. Well, I, it's just so you know, when I went... I went into Marine Corps in 1985. My... Uh, platoon was the very first ones to shoot m sixteen a twos they brought them they just took them out of the plastic and then later we switched over from the forty five to the m nine There were a bunch of problems when they first came out so i 've never liked them because of that so just a little background that that 's fair there were uh, i, I won 't go into the issues but i i 've seen a lot of locking blocks break yeah i mean they got most of it worked out but yes. you know when when that was what you, when you had something that was pretty solid for almost a hundred years, and then they decide to switch it up, it's like, come on, guys. Yeah. Did I, did I hear a two world wars in there? <laughs> something like that, yeah, and a, and a few other conflicts, you know. <laughs> you know two Iraq wars. <laughs> it, too late to on the fixes for Dave to not be upset about it. Yeah, Just, yeah. It's fair. It's all good. He's very so set I, in his ways. I, I do get that pistol in my hands and I fired a, an M16 in basic training and I, I just fell in love with it. I turned 21 at my first duty station in Missouri, went out as soon as I could and I bought a, a pistol and then went home on leave and 
flew it out with me so I could show my parents and now my dad has started acquiring firearms much like Captain Ryan's parents have started acquiring firearms so it's it's been very fun but after I had guns for a while I would go out to the range and I would just shoot and ended up just shooting our qualification course over and over again and got kind of bored with it so I started looking for something more so I could kind of get more out of the, the shooting experience and I found videos of Jerry Mitchellick out there and I, I remember watching one video where Jerry was doing an introduction with um, one of the uh, veteran YouTube channels uh, doing an intro to 3Gun and I was like okay I can do this so I started acquiring firearms I acquired uh, an AR and went crazy and got it Cerakoted so it was Stormtrooper colored and <laughs> put a big barrel on it, put a low powerable variable optic and I zeroed it. Uh, little did I know that I had mounted it wrong and it had lost the zero. And I acquired a, uh, a semi-auto shotgun. So, and I went out to my first three-gun match. And like I mentioned, it wasn't zeroed. This was still in Missouri in Versailles actually which uh, it's spelled Versailles, but pronounced Versailles. <laughs> it's Missouri. It's America. <laughs> yeah. Or Missouri. As there it is. <laughs> right, like there's an A on the end or something. Yeah, yeah. We just <laughs> vowels. It's a good time. <laughs> so I, I couldn't make a hit on an 8-inch steel plate at 50 yards offhand because my rifle had lost zero. And at Holy that point, cow. there was a couple individuals, um, and one was like, well, I have a, a spare rifle in the car. Let me go get that. And he just comes out and hands me a, a $3,000 rifle with a $2,000 optic on top. And I was like, yeah, here, just go ahead and run it really hard. Throw it in barrels. You know, don't worry about it. It's fine. <laughs> and that's when I fell in love with the community and the people in practical shooting and action shooting that just that was awesome it still adds pucker factor though <laughs> especially when it's not oh, you yours have no idea yeah <laughs> i have shot no less than three major matches with other people's guns like the entire match i shot a steel match in alabama um i think that was with i think Frank Garcia gave me his one of his Brazos customs wow. uh, 40s and like 500 rounds of ammo. And he's like, yeah, hey, here you go. Because wow. uh, my gun broke on the first stage. That was awesome. And then I've shot <laughs> at least two uh, major three-gun matches where I've had to borrow uh, shotguns. You know, nice somebody hands me a nice Benelli M2. Wow. Um, so, yeah, the community is fantastic. Yeah. So how did you do Absolutely. on those matches? Um, so... Uh, I don't remember how I did on the steel match. I was still kind of new. Uh, the shotgun one, um, I actually ended up finishing like third in open, shooting a shooting a borrowed tac ops shotgun. That was Memorial Three Gun 2018. So I did pretty well. I was pretty happy about that. You did amazing at that match. <laughs> ah, nice. Good good teammates cheering me on. That's all. There you go. So great community, I, uh, and that's one of the reasons that early on I was I was headfirst into it. Everybody's sharing stage plans, and um, 
encouraging each other and giving advice. Uh, sometimes the unsolicited advice is, is, is a little annoying, but um, most of the time, especially when you're first starting off, uh, it gets you pointing in the right direction and it's, it's helpful. So, so Nick, you started shooting competitively in the Air Force. Yes, I was I was in the Air Force when I started. It was around 2015. Okay, and then Captain Ryan, you Casey was in college. Okay, okay. Um, so you you get introduced to it. You you get on the team. What's the actually before we get into that? So you're both in the Air Force. Just to confirm. Both active duty oh, Air yeah, Force. Confirm, yes. You're both active, active duty, duty Air Force. Force. Yes. Uh, You'd be surprised how many times we get that question, though. Like, uh, we show up with the jersey, the the clean haircut, right. and people are still like, oh, yeah, are you just sponsored by the Air Force? and Or are you in the Air Force? No, I'm, I'm in the Air Force. Well, this see, is a NASCAR. Now, now <laughs> the, the, the millions and millions of people that listen to our podcast will now know you are, in fact, yes. in the Air Force. You should never get that the question correct. again. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah, the, the millions of people out there listening. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, I'm, I'm on the Around the world. Course. Yeah. Yes. We have people <laughs> listening in Costa Rica. And Sweden. That's awesome. Yeah, as we have found that's out. That's awesome. I mean, it's only one yep. person, but that's beside the point. Hey, the, Ipsic is, is, is big in Sweden, I think. So one day I would love to go there and shoot. Yes. Yeah, I think you would do well there. But so before we get into kind of the, the meat and potatoes, true or untrue, Air Force, best housing, best food. Absolutely true. 100%. That is not a rumor. That's not even like a joke. That's 100% true. <laughs> that, yeah, it's the best I, branch. I can confirm that the food and the housing is the best. That's his, that's his sad face because he was like, oh, yes. I could have made different choices in life. <laughs> hey, we, hey, we had better tents. <laughs> oh, there you go. Yeah, Maybe. We don't have any. I mean, yeah. I never saw them in the Air Force. That's why I say we had better ones. <laughs> They're like, what's a tent? Is that what goes over the plane? Yeah, I, I've never that's had to put netting? a tent before in my life. Yeah. How did this tent get in my hotel room? <laughs> that's like the whole, uh, how did this peanut butter get in my chocolate thing? <laughs> so I did play golf earlier this week, just throwing that out there. Oh, uh, that's it. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I love that. Really yeah, you got to watch out for your lower back on the swing. Um, so <laughs> you're both on the team. How did the team get started? Because you're obviously not the first members of the team. How did the team get started? Like, where? What is the 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 onus? The 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 kernel of the Air Force saying we need a shooting team. Uh, the shooting teams in the Air Force have been around since the '50s. Um, I couldn't tell you the the specifics of of how those operated back then. Uh, but it wasn't until about the 90s um, when the action pistol team was stood up. And there's so there now there's actually eight shooting teams. OK, that was going to be across all the different question. disciplines. Okay. Yep. Eight, eight shooting teams. So we're one of eight. Uh, we are the most um, active of the teams um, in terms of matches shot and traveling and all that sort of stuff. Um, I think I think USPSA three gun action shooting is just a little bit more prevalent nowadays. Um but I could be wrong. I don't, I don't, I've never shot any other disciplines. So it, our team got started in uh, 1994. Um, they had uh, five team members back then. And pretty much since the beginning, it's been pretty solid in terms of competitiveness. We've had guys go to 
uh, shooting top 10 and nationals, um, representing us at world shoot. Um, but it's the, the structure of the team's always been kind of the same is that we all work, uh, normal jobs in the air force. There's no equivalent to the army marksmanship unit or the Marine Corps, uh, shooting team where it's a full-time assignment. We all work, um, our own jobs. We have, uh, pilots, we have, uh, electronic warfare officers. Um, we have three security forces members, a pararescue men, uh, maintainers. We have medical folks. We've got everybody, um, a dentist. We've even got a dentist on the team. Um, you guys have to call about, him uh, doctor. Rondre. Yes. I most definitely do not call him doctor. Nick was like, Oh yeah. Most of the time. He calls him. He calls doctor. Most doctor, of the time I'm doctor. just like Rondre. What are you doing? No, no, I, I love him. He's, what? I he's awesome. He's stationed in San Antonio with me, so I, I get to I get to shoot with the dentist all the time, and uh, he gets a lot of flack from the guys uh, when they go shoot, and they're like, "Oh, you're you're a dentist getting ready to shoot," and then he, you know, smokes people with his PCC, and they're like, "Oh, all right, oh, I guess you can shoot." He's a dentist. Let me just go sit down PCC. again. Yeah, he was. He's he just switched over to carry optics. I think he, the shame just was overwhelming for him. That's fair, but. Well, so that, that that's uh, going to uh, generate yeah. a couple different questions, but um, <laughs> so as you were saying, like the Army Marksmanship Unit, so they're at, in, at Fort Benning. Uh, the Marine Corps shooting team is at Quantico. So, but since you guys are not, you're not a team. You're a team, but you're not. In, so you guys are housed everywhere. There's not an official shooting team spot. That's correct. Yes, we we uh, are stationed all over. Um, there's no requirement for. To, to be in a certain location, um, travel and what matches you shoot and everything like that is, is on the, the individual member, um, then where that, wherever they want to go, pretty much. Uh, we do try to coordinate which matches we're going to shoot together. Um, we're always communicating on who's going where and whatnot and pick a couple matches out of the year to get max participation so that we're showing up, you know, quote unquote, as a team. Um, but as far as, requirements for being on team it's you just you have to have your your commander's approval um obviously we haven't had any applicants from overseas but i think that would probably be an automatic uh no-go just because you're not really able to shoot if you're if you're in germany or, or wherever the um, disqualifier so yeah pretty much uh, you you have to be able to to travel and and participate in the shooting matches that we do so uh but other than that there's not really any requirements um, and we, we like having people all over the country. We got folks in Alaska. Uh, we got folks pretty much everything east of, of Texas as well. Currently nobody on the, on the West coast. Um, nah. Oh, we got somebody, we got somebody in uh, New Mexico, but yep. Okay. Yep. All over the place. West coast ish. <laughs> yeah. We, we've had people on the West coast at, at one point, but um I was in California uh, prior to this. Um, there's actually a lot of shooting in California, uh, and it's it's high quality shooting. The people that uh, are there doing it are very 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 passionate about it. Um, California's got 54 million people, and half of those, or just under half of those people, are uh, I would say supportive of of the shooting sports. Um, so there is a lot of people there that shoot, and uh, they they're good at it. Good good matches and um, yeah, it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun shooting in California. So aside from winning, which I'm sure is the, the air force's mission, 
hundred percent of the time. Uh, what, like, what is the primary mission of the team? Like, what, like, do you guys fall under training? Do you fall under, uh, what's it called? P- public relations? Like, what, like, what's the mission, the mission statement of the team? Yeah, we fall under uh, headquarters services, um, which is um, responsible for the sports team. So we're we're a we're a sports team okay. basically. Um, like baseball. So we we're like we're... like high ally. Exactly. Hey, people yes. still play that, <laughs> like, like chess, like yeah. all those things. Curling. Um, yeah. Curling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Listen. Yep. I just watched that That's the other how day. I get I'll to have the you Olympics know. Is curling? That's how Huggy <laughs> gets to the Olympics. Curling with an H. Hey, it's from Ireland. That is a fantastic spectator. Yes, sport. hurling Much is a good one. Hurling is a an Olympic military sport. Hurling. Yeah, true. Very mm-hmm. true. Um, so we we're we're established to promote marksmanship um, within the Air Force, but we're also uh, promoted, uh, or we're also established to promote morale, um, welfare, recreation within within the Air Force ranks and. Uh, potentially as a recruitment tool as well, though we're not um, we're not usually used for recruitment per se. Uh, if they're using us for that, it, it's I'm not I'm not aware of it. We're just pawns in, in a big chess game. But um, <laughs> yeah. it's it's the, the Air Force sports teams are um, more of a tool to make sure that there's there's pride in, in the service um, that you're encouraging people of all walks of life to to join and to stay active in things other than uh, just being an airman. Um, because the, the services, as you guys know, are, are, are so big and they can be so demanding. They want to make sure that they offer stuff to, to folks to do other things and en- encourage them to stay in. So, yeah. So Nick, here's a question for you based on what he was just saying right there. Um, being a combat arms instructor, the stuff that you learn in competition and training for competition, how quickly can you turn that around and teach that? So in my last position as a ground combat readiness instructor in El Paso, I was able to implement that on a much bigger scale very rapidly. And I had a, a very very close finger onto the pulse of what was going on with the uh, the training as far as shooting, at least in the security forces career field, maybe not Air Force wide. So I, I saw a lot of good changes. Um, I actually got to sit on the uh, symposium board for implementing the new M110A1 for our um, sharpshooter program, since okay. Air Force doesn't have snipers. Okay. Yep. So Nick was a uh, Nick was an instructor um, at our what we call a regional training center. It's basically a pre-deployment um, unit. So all the Air Force security forces airmen that were getting ready to head downrange went and saw Nick and did a couple of days of shooting with with him and his team uh, before they were deployed overseas. Okay. Uh, and I just had another question. Lost it. I should have written it down. Okay. Um, so you've already said there's eight. Now, do you guys have any, uh, I know you were saying historically you started in the fifties, but it looks like it ramped back up in the nineties. 
the army is big for having uh, Olympic champions. I mean, they have Lenny Basham, who then went on to write about mint. I know what my question was before we, before Leo can take back over. So, this this goes back to how quickly can you incorporate what you've learned? Is the Air Force friendly to you guys being on the team to go TDY to take classes? from like a Lanny Basham or a Steve Anderson or somebody dealing with the shooting sports. Yes, absolutely. So that's one of the, the biggest advantages of being on the team is that we get, uh, we get permissive TDY. So uh, for those that don't know, permissive TDY basically means um, you get, you get time off of work without having to take your, your leave or your vacation days. Uh, so we get time to go do that. Um, and some of those things get reimbursed like class fees, uh, match fees, that sort of thing. So, Yes, uh, as long as your commander approves it and there's not a the mission impact at the time, we can go do a lot of that sort of thing. Um, we had a we had a member take a three or four day class uh, a couple months ago. Um, yeah, every year we we usually have a few guys taking classes from some of the top names yeah. um, and not having to take uh, time off of work, which is nice. Okay, I got a week back in 2019 or 18, one of the two. I forget when I went out to TPC in Utah. Okay. And what was that? What class was that you took? That was their handgun super camp. Nice. That was very, very good. I, I learned a lot there. Okay. So it's, uh, There's, there seems like there's a lot of guys out there right now, um, like your Mike Seeklanders who trained uh, guys who were deploying air marshals, stuff like that. So it seems like there's a lot of guys like that that would pertain to exactly what you guys do. That's why I was, I was asking. Okay. Yeah, uh, we, we haven't had a um, – so most of those guys that are out there training military units, they're going to – they're going to more of the soft guys, the, the units that have the time and the, the resources to bring on a big name instructor like that and, and, and teach them, uh, do a five day course on a, on a flat range or whatever. Um, we, we, us being all over the place, obviously we can't really get an instructor to come, uh, teach all of us, uh, at one point, but we do send people here and there to, to courses that are put on. And then we're also planning on putting a team camp on uh, around this time next year. Um, so we haven't had a team camp in many, many years, uh, just with our very limited budget and time and all that sort of stuff. Um, it takes a lot to put one on. And so we're looking at doing one next year where we're going to get all the team members together. Um, and we're going to, we're going to go through uh instruction and drills and and all that sort of stuff and we may or may not bring an outside instructor in but between between the, a lot of the guys that we have on the team right now there's a lot of knowledge and experience um at, at a very high competitive level that we can share uh, within the team um we have several guys who have finished at the at the top in in uspsa and in, in three gun matches um so Unfortunately, we, we just don't have the kind of money to, to bring in a, one of those big names and, and teach us all. But we do we can send one onesies and twosies to their classes when they have them. 
Okay. Now, I want to go back also. Nick, you mentioned you were at a regional training center, or actually Casey explained you were at a regional training center. Now, so that means you have more than one. Yes. Do you guys, do all the training centers use the same POI? We have a standardized course uh, for principles of instruction, and we have a standardized curriculum that gets taught for our current sustainment training now. Okay. Since we've moved away from pre-deployment, being that uh, the GWAT is now over. So is that the board you referenced earlier that you were talking about? Where is that where changes are made? There's a couple different levels that all those changes go through. So uh, I was keyed in very closely with one of them. Uh, there were two of the, the higher boards that weren't quite communicating like we thought at our level. So um, a few things got lost in translation. Okay. It happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, and so I don't know if you guys know, but I spent four years at Quantico at the Scout Sniper Instructor School. I had heard. And, um, you know, we basically everything started there and then spread out. I mean, the different division schools made changes as they needed to based on where they were. But, you know, we all used basically the same POI. So that's why I was asking. Yeah, that's what, what Nick's referring to, though, is, is just uh, security forces uh, instruction. Right. The, in the Air Force, um, uh, we only have 10 to 15 percent of the force that is, quote unquote, ground oriented uh, in terms of their, their combat orientation. Right. So it's, it's basically security forces, EOD, and then our, our soft career fields plus uh, TACP um, and TACP is attached to Army units. So. The soft guys uh, are our PJs, our combat controllers, our special reconnaissance airmen. They're all doing their own thing. Um, they have their own uh, training curriculums. They don't even use the, the a lot of times they don't use our, the same weapons that we do. Uh, so they have different qualifications for them. Um, in fact, one of our one of our team members is is at uh, the the PJ schoolhouse, so he gets to he gets involved with, with some of that instruction to the, you guys, um, going through the, the PJ pipeline. Uh, but the, the vast majority of airmen, even the ones that are deploying just get very basic, uh, weapons handling instruction. Um, wow. it, it's, it's basically, a, it's a qualification to, to make sure that they can handle the weapon safely and make it go boom. Yes. Um, Security forces is the, the primary customer in the Air Force outside of soft, where we're actually trying to build some level of competence with, with marksmanship. But 10% of the Air Force is security forces. So we have 24,000 plus, I think, active duty uh, Air Force security forces members. So it's a, it's a large. Yeah, that's a, large a pretty pool. large number. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of those classes get filled with a lot of quantity. So uh, especially in El Paso, I had very large classes. I'd have classes of like 200 people. Holy cow! An army range in one day, over three days. So one day each day for a different course of fire. Wow! Wow! Yeah. Holy cow! Okay. Now you said um, uh, the other groups may not use the same weapons. What do you guys use for competition? 
so the weapons we use in competition are whatever whatever we want. Um, the uh, so at work, Nick and I both use an M4. Uh, I just got an A1. Me too. Me too. It's the... brand new. No, right oh, nice, box. nice. It is brand new. Um, <laughs> I. It's the same exact thing with a heavier barrel. Honestly, like, it, it is what it is. But anyways, yeah, we have M4s, and and a more fun giggle switch. Uh, we have M4s, and I still have an M9. I think Nick's probably got an uh, M18 at this point. Yep. Um, we just sent all I'll our one of the last... back to uh, depot. Okay. Um, but, uh, in, in competition, we use, we use our, our own weapons. So, um, I'm using a, a, a Legion right now and carry optics. I just kind of okay. dive, diving into carry optics right now. What's the um, optic on there? That's a Delta point. Okay. So, yeah, you know, I'm a big believer in find whatever is reliable and run with it. I don't tinker with my guns at all. Um, I, when I don't have that much time in the day and time in the year to focus on, on shooting. Uh, I'm married with a, with a two-year-old. And so if I can spend time practicing um, or doing something like that, I, I'd rather spend my time that I, my free time with guns, I'd rather spend it getting better rather than just messing with guns. Now, one thing I do need to do with this, I, I realize is probably uh, do a little testing with my recoil spring um, as I'm not terribly happy with how my dots tracking, but I, I consider that more of like a necessary evil rather than, um, swapping out different optics to, to find the ideal one. So I, I shoot ammo that's reliable. I don't really care if it's an extra five power factor over. Uh, just, I need guns that go bang every single time. And nowadays pretty much every gun you can get in your hands is going to provide you enough accuracy for the stuff that we do. We're not shooting bullseye here. So, right. So are you, so you're not using uh, Lake city ammo. You're using no. civilian uh, stuff. Correct. Okay, yeah. Not we have, uh, no, it's, it's, um, I'm shooting 124 grain reman right now from peak performance. Maybe it just, honestly, just whatever I can get my hands on. Uh, when I was shooting open, I reloaded, um, because it's a necessary evil again, but <laughs> yep. no, I, I, I don't have the time for that anymore. So I just shoot whatever I can get my hands on pretty much. Okay. Nick? Yeah, well, I I am not married, so I do have the time, well, <laughs> marginally. So I reload. <laughs> You're married to the Air Force, sir. Yeah, well, I have a, a, a lady friend that I've been uh, helping her move her apartment, so that's been taking up a lot of time this week. But um, you sound like you're in the Philippines. I have this lady friend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ask me how I know. No, don't do that. No, no, no. I, I've, I've met Marines from the Philippines before. <laughs> so uh, I actually just picked up a, a Glock 45 the other day and was playing with it. I uh, went out and shot it today and um, I actually really liked it. It was, found it was more accurate with the dot than my Glock 34, and I like the balance of it. Your, but, your 34 um, is just a longer barrel, correct? Correct. Which okay. I have that right here as well. Okay. So. And you have an SRO in both of them? Yes, I do. Okay. Yeah, I. Um, that's just what I picked. Uh, I found them, liked them. They shoot all right. But... I'm loading ammo with a 124 grain bullet, and I'm shooting roughly around 135 power factor. 
Now, have you done anything to the springs or any of that stuff? No, no. I Okay. So it's a stock 45. Yeah. I Glock 45, not 45 cal. Yeah. I, okay. I took, a, took a Dremel to the internal parts and polished it up and slapped a dot on it. And it's, it's good enough. Now, is it's it not zeroed? really your own? I just want to make sure your optic is zeroed, Nick. Yes. Are you good? Yes. Okay. For now. <laughs> For now. There we go. All right. But it's so, not really your own gun until you've taken a Dremel to it. We all know this. Yeah, this. apparently. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, did, did you guys have anybody who shot low-cap nationals? No. Uh, we, had, we had one member shoot it. Um, Tom Bezor. Yep. Uh, I think he shot. Did he shoot carry optics? No, he shot. He shot the tag. staff match. Yeah. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he oh, shot yeah. a little bit of Oh, yeah. You said it's not, that's not even an option. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, he shot the staff match. He he, he really enjoys um, ROing. So he goes and does the whole RO package at, at the, the Nationals matches. And I think you'll see him at the next one, too. Mm -hmm. He said he's got a slot for the next one to RO. So did he. Now, did he get permissive TDY, or did he have to take his time? He got permissive. Oh, nice. I'm pretty sure. I'm That's pretty sure. Awesome. I, now, so the permissive TDY thing, um, I don't get I, – I I provide a letter from the uh, the team manager to the members that says whether or not they're authorized uh, for permissive TDY, but it's still on the member to get approval from their commander. Right. So that process I don't necessarily get involved in. Um, so I, I'm not 100% sure if he did or not. Okay. Fair enough. So Leo, we've kind of skipped around a little bit. Uh, we started talking about weaponry. So we, I asked them what they're using in ammo. Um, they're using their own guns and civilian ammunition. Cause I did notice just so you guys know, um, I went to my air force life mm -hmm. and saw the information on the shooting teams. Um, and I saw where it says, you know, they normally provide their own equipment. So I was just curious. Yeah. About that. Back in the day, uh, back in the day, the, the air force supplied weapons. Um, there was a specific funding stream for that. That was pri I think that was prior to, that was way prior to my time. Those are the bulls uh, of the but, days. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and they had, they had a, um, they had really, some of the weapons they had were really, really, really nice. Some 10 or $12,000 shotguns, but those days are long gone. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I didn't get to see any of those, unfortunately. So Nick, did you did you follow low cap nationals at all? Um, I looked at the results a little bit. I saw the um, the popper mishap with uh, with JJ. So you, so you saw where the Canic knocked down the popper, but the Beretta did not. I mean, it's it's a bullet either way. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it? Is it though? <laughs> exactly. Is it? <laughs> Leo does hey, that I'll better come than. To Nick's I'll come to Nick's defense on this. I, I actually kind of like how the Beretta shoots. I hate it for a carry gun or, or for a defensive weapon. Um, it is big and bulky and unwieldy for what it is. And I'm very glad we're getting rid of it. Okay. Um, so, you know, Leo Casey shoots a, a Legion. So you'll be happy to know that he's a big Sig Sauer guy. Um, and Nick is shooting Glocks. He has a Glock 34 and a Glock 45, both with Trijicon RMRs. RSROs. Duh. I'm an idiot. Okay. Um, now, I also noticed, because I was on, like I said, I was on My Air Force Life. 
Now it is different. Uh, in the, with the AMU, you get basically recruited with the, I was on the Marine Corps rifle team in 90 and we shoot division matches and then they select people based on the results from those matches. But it looks like you guys actually apply to be on the team. Is that it? That's correct. So we have a, we have just an application process. Um, we don't really have a recruitment process. Um, and basically we, we're, we're, what we're trying to do now is kind of build our presence, uh, social media, this type of thing. I, I hope will will be fruitful for us too, is to, to reach out to all the airmen that, um, are shooting these sports and potentially interested in getting involved. And, uh, so what they do is they reach out to us and let us know they're interested or occasionally they'll, they'll come across, the, the Air Force Services website, and they'll put an application without even talking to us, which is fine too. But uh, they, they submit an application. Uh, there's an online process for it. Uh, me as the team captain will receive these applications, and it's basically a shooting resume. And so at the okay. end, we, we typically do our appointments at the end of the fiscal year. So we'll review uh, all the applications, and based on how many slots we have opening up, we'll we'll pick our top folks. And what we try to do, and we usually have the opportunity to – to do is shoot with people ahead of time. So as long as they contact us and say, Hey, I'm interested in team. This is pretty cool. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll, we'll track them. We'll keep in touch with them. We'll do our best to link up with them at matches throughout the year. They'll get a feel for how they shoot, whether they represent the air force uh, professionally um, or not. And uh, start building that relationship. And whether it's on their team team or not, we still want to connect with uh, airmen that, that shoot the sport because it's a small community. Absolutely. Now, I want to dive into it a little bit deeper because, I i mean, I, I looked in the entire My Air Force Life thingy. I scroll, you scroll all I don't know how current, just just caveat, I don't know how current that information that's, is. But that's okay. okay. That's that's good, though, because I'll <laughs> yeah. ask you and then you can correct or, you know, set me straight on some things. So I, I looked but, at it the other day and the, the 303 is the same 303 that you and I filled out, Casey. Okay. Now. Right, sounds good. But they talk about a training camp and then team selections based on the aggregate of record scores from the following. Yeah, so that's that's referring to some of the other teams. Okay, but, uh, but it has action pistol. That's not. Yeah, uh, I, we weren't. We were never. We don't have a a specific um, process like that. What I'm, I'm assuming that's okay. referring to is is uh, if you shoot international rifle or, or one of those things and you go to you go to camp perry and you shoot that match or whatever it is i don't even know if i'm lining my disciplines up with my matches you, but you are actually <laughs> you, you shoot, are okay on spot so if you shoot that match they you know maybe they'll pick the the next highest person on there okay thing. but as action um, shooting we're no. kind of a square peg in a round hole well and, and i thought it was interesting because it said you were supposed to shoot two complete 30 round field courses but i'm like if you guys are scattered around, then how, how do you set these up and how do you do that? You know, it just seems like the logistics of it would be very difficult. Yeah. So, yeah, we don't do that. Um, <laughs> what we what I'll give you kind of the loose uh, requirements that we look at. We look okay. at. Um, uh, so the first things first is they, they have to have approval from the commander. That's a hard requirement. So the application has to have that because if they can't if they're not going to get support from their unit to go travel, um, then it's a no-go. And if they're not, if their commander saying this person's not going to represent the air force professionally in a public light, then that's another no-go. So that, that's the only hard requirement. After that, we're looking for match experience. Uh, does this person know what they're doing? Have they been to major matches and shown that interest 
uh, and dedication to the sport. Um, and then after that, we're looking at uh, performance. And this is not necessarily in order, but uh, we are looking at performance as well. Um, and so performance usually relates loosely to a classification, although not everybody does USPSA and that's okay. Cause we're not just, we're not really just an action pistol team anymore. In 2010, we kind of, uh, we got approval to open up our aperture and we, we do all the action shooting sports. So we have guys that uh, just do three gun. Um, we have guys that have done PRS, uh, steel challenge, um, IDPA a little bit and yeah, whatever else we've got out there. So, uh, we do look at, at, at a classification per se, but that's usually I'm more interested in, in match performance where you're finishing in relation to, to top names. And again, it's a small community, so I can, I can look at these, I look at look practice score and see where you're finishing and see if you're a competitive guy or not. Okay. It's actually pronounced practice score. I was knew you were coming with. That. Oh, interesting. <laughs> if you're in front row, it's practice score. <laughs> So, so we does now Ken spell Nelson it. know that. Yeah, I was about to say, Ken Nelson says it differently. <laughs> it's and it's spelled P R A C T E Y E score. So oh okay. Oh, so it's just like Missouri. <laughs> yeah, score. yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, and Connecticut. Yeah. I'll never live that down. Nope. Oh, nope. No. You won't. Is that what you let slip? What times practice for? Yes. That one of many. I let a lot of things slip. One of many. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So somebody, an airman, uh, has applied. You, they've been accepted onto the team. They are selected onto the team. Are there any benchmarks to maintain? Like we just spoke with Julie Golub, uh, and she was talking about how. There was a lot of stress involved from year to year. They expected you to continue improving every year. And, you know, your spot is basically hanging on your performance. How does it right. work with you guys? Uh, so for us, um, we have been fortunate, at least since I've been on the team, to most of the picks that we have, folks are, are interested in, in, in competing and getting better. Um, and so we haven't had too much of an issue with that. Our, our requirements per se are really just continue to represent the air force professionally. We do want to see continued activity. Uh, so a couple major matches per year is kind of what we're, we're aiming for at a minimum. Um, and we do have, we have, we have two, two sub teams, if you will. So we have a primary team and a developmental team. Um, and, and our primary team guys are, are the folks that we've kind of expected to be competitive, to be winning every match they go to. And that's kind of the, th the threshold there. Uh, there's a little extra support um, from the Air Force for the guys in the primary team. And that's really just the differential there. So we do basically expect everybody to continue to be active on the team and be a good uh, a team member. And it's, but uh, there's not a, there's not a hard requirement per se. And we, we unfortunately don't have enough interest within the Air Force. Um, I think to, to look at kicking people off every year to, to make room for, for, for new folks. But I will say over the last uh, year or so, we've had definitely an increased number of people applying that are competitive to be on the team. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's just been a process of uh, being on social media and getting the word out over, over the past few years is we're starting to spread um, throughout the community 
and folks that are in their Air Force are, are seeing, oh, I can be a part of this. And we're getting a lot more people that are competitive um, candidates to be on the team. So nice. in the future, that might be something that we have to we have to look at is consider. Uh, yeah, exactly. Well, again, once so, once this blows up, you're going to have applicants coming out of the woodwork. Yeah, yeah. Yes. You get the, I expect a thousand. Yeah. Beat them off with a thousand stick. by the end yeah. of the month. Yeah. Not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> now, since you guys are so scattered around, I mean, you're still a team, but how do you, how do you meet? Do you guys just do like zoom meetings or? Yes, that's exactly. Yeah. We, that's exactly what we do. We, we have zoom meetings uh, and we just talk about um, what basically there's, there's admin stuff behind the team. Obviously we talk about that. We talk about uh, the future plans for the team um, initiatives that, that we're looking at doing. So the last meeting we had, uh, we were talking a lot about team camp um, and how that was going to go, what kind of set up an organization that, that we wanted to do for it. So uh, as the team captain, I, I get absolutely nothing. And as the assistant NCIC or the NCIC, Nick gets, gets nothing in terms of um, added support from, from their, from our day jobs to do this. So we, we rely on everything as a kind of a team effort. So team decisions, okay. um, the the organization of, of team camp is definitely a team effort um i run ideas on what we want to do for the team by the team uh before we go forth and do anything so there's some admin stuff we we try to do that quarterly yep. um and then other than that we are just in constant communication we have a whatsapp uh group that's talking a few times every week um could be just uh shooting the crap or it could be hey what would yeah, could be a lot a lot of memes uh mostly making fun of pcc shooters uh, <laughs> obviously that seems to be the common thing yeah no dennis, nothing, nothing yeah. but love for pcc right um <laughs> no it's all good there's a time and place for it but yeah i'm, I'm i think it's actually just kind of funny how much P- pcc shooters get made fun of uh when you bring it when you bring a rifle to a, a pistol fight like and then you claim that you won the match. Yeah. You deserve to get made fun of. Yeah. I have nothing, no, no problem with you shooting the shooting it. I just don't think you should be bragging that you beat people with a that were shooting a pistol. Um, but yeah, so uh, we try to coordinate, like I said, a couple couple matches a year where we all get together, um, get an Airbnb, and it's a fun time. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Nice. Mm-hmm. So I have a question. Yeah, I know. So I have a question. Now, did you guys go yep. to last year's nationals down in uh, uh, Florida at uh, Frostproof? I, I did not. I was in the middle of uh, actually moving from El Paso up to here. Uh, okay. Hmm. Yeah, I was I was deployed last year uh, during nationals, so I did not shoot it. Uh, we did have some members there, though. Yeah. I, I saw I saw a couple of the members. I just didn't know. Uh, uh, if you guys were there also, I was going to ask, uh, what are your thoughts on, on, the, the facility and especially the, what was that? What was that long range shot that we had? Uh, what stage was 19. that? 19. 19. Yeah. <laughs> Where it was like a, uh, a 40, 45 yard shot. <laughs> in the rain. start. In the, in rain. the rain with a plastic bag over I was the first shooter of the day on our squad that day. Totally worth it. Well, I've shot a lot of matches at uh, at Frostproof, and I think every time I've been there, there's been a forty or fifty yard shot. Um, so I know the feeling. Yeah. 
know the feeling. I'm excited. I'm really excited to shoot. I'm going to try to shoot uh, nationals at, at CMP this year, uh, later this year. I'm really excited. That's I went to optics. school in Birmingham. So yeah. And carry optics for me. Uh, so is the dentist going to shoot PCC with you? He'll be there for carry uh, optics. Dennis or <laughs> De- so Dennis was a, he's not on the team anymore. He's, he's been retired for a while. Rondre is our current PCC shooter. Oh, the dentist. I'm sorry. We had a we had a team member back in the day called Dennis. Um, but yeah, the dentist. He's he switched to carry optics. I think he okay enough of of the rifle. All right. If you don't already you tired just of being... refer to him as the dentist from now on, you should be like, oh, it's the yeah. dentist. Okay, I'll do that. The dentist. Yeah, it sounds yeah. like a movie. Change his jersey. Yeah. Just says the dentist. <laughs> or we could just say... I think he would wear it proudly. I go. think he really yes. would. That has just like a bad team dad. Team dad. Team dad. Team dad. You'll know it's him because he's the only one that wears an Air Force visor ever in history of ever. So. Oh, wow. Like non ironically. Oh, on purpose. Like embrace it. Oh, yeah. Yep. With one of the best smiles I've ever seen because he's a dentist. (laughs) I would hope so. (laughs) I I would hope so. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, and anybody who shoots with him. There's really no excuse for them not to be deployable due to oral care. Oh, oh yeah. he lo- exactly. Yes. Yeah. Just, he loves to talk about uh, keeping airmen healthy and stuff, and he does a great job. <laughs> yeah. he, he, This guy, uh, Rondre, I know you're going to listen to this. Um, you're the most passionate about the Air Force I've ever met. It's awesome. Yeah, okay. That's good. He's good passionate for him. about yeah. everything he puts his mind to. It just He's a passionate yes, he guy, and I admire him for it. Okay. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah, he is a fantastic representative of, of the team and of the Air Force. Um, and, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're really proud to have him. Um, he's been a great addition. Everybody that meets this guy, I hope you guys get to soon. Uh, he is he's a very, very nice guy. Shout out to the dentist. From Podcast. The dentist. <laughs> he's like yeah. the Lieutenant Dan of, of, of oral hygiene. Like, change your socks. If you ever stop, change your socks. If you're stopping, you better be flossing. <laughs> Yeah, maybe minus the uh, all the improprieties and, and all that sort of stuff. Really <laughs> loosely, loosely, very loose. Yeah, no, no, fine. Yeah, yeah in, the, in, in all the good aspects only, obviously, is what I meant. <laughs> yes. Yeah. yes, of course. Now, I know that, um, like, Nick, you've mentioned you shot three gun. Casey, you've said the same thing. Nick, you've shot PRS as well. Since you guys have your regular job, which is still, you know, your day job, mm-hmm. what does your training look like for the team? You're, I mean, how, how do you guys go about training and prepping and all of that when you still have a 40, look, I was in the military. It's not a 40 hour work week. We know that. Um, so your 40 plus hour work week, what does your training look like? So, uh, mind if I take this one first, sir? Yeah. So, uh, my day job is actually my night job. I work a, uh, a mid shift from 9 PM to 5 AM. So we have various things that we do as a flight on that. One of them being dry fire training, which I've been implementing with my guys and trying to build that foundation in the house walls roof to build a better platform and a better shooter out of all of my airmen there for my personal training 
I uh, have targets set up all over my apartment, and I'll put on YouTube or Netflix or something, and I'll just sit there and dry fire. I do a lot of transition training, a lot of reloads, a lot of draws. Um, it's not as structured as some might say, but it's it's got me decently far. Okay. Uh, yeah, for me, it, I think it's probably pretty standard for, for what most people that shoot our sport do is they, they fit it in when they can. Um, I, in college, I had a lot more time. And then, you know, when I was a lieutenant, I had a lot more time, uh, back then. And I'd drive fire 15, 20 minutes a day or something like that. Sometimes up to maybe sometimes up to an hour. And then in 2018, my assignment afforded me a lot more time. Uh, I made a very conscious effort at the beginning of that assignment that I was going to make a push for, uh, grandmaster and get as far as I could, at nationals that year and win as many major matches. Uh, so that year in particular was very, very, very structured. I was dry firing every single day for 30 minutes with a very focused uh, training program. And I spent a lot of time listening to podcasts kind of like this, uh, trying to identify how do I train better, where are my weaknesses and how do I train them? Uh, and, and that I was also really fortunate because I had a very, very, very cheap range only 20 minutes from where I was and I had the time to go shoot live fire every week. So I was dry firing every day, live firing once a week and shooting two matches a, a month. Um, and so that year I improved significantly. Uh, I also kind of got burned out by the end of it once nationals was over. So I took pretty much as soon as that was done, I went into another PCS or, or moved to a different assignment and then my son was born shortly after that and so for basically two and a half years up until about three weeks ago i have not done hardly any practice uh, no dry fire no live fire i've probably had two or three live fire training sessions um only because the dentist he uh he encouraged me to come out <laughs> but it wasn't of my own volition he really uh, wanted to but, check your yeah. teeth but it's all good yeah yeah <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'm getting back into it. Uh, I'm trying to stick to 15 to 20 minutes a day, of uh, dry fire. Uh, and then my live fire is gonna, it's gonna be a little inconsistent like, as I'm getting ready to move again in a few weeks. But once I get up to my new assignment, I'll try to figure out where it is. And I'm going to make, try to make another push if time and, and work allows for, uh, a, a good finish at nationals this year. And if that's the case, then I will do my best to try to do another dry fire every day for 30 minutes live fire once a week um and yeah and those live fire sessions will probably have to be shorter on ammo than they were in previous years just because i don't have the ammo like like anybody Neither else do does, so yeah yeah, I was yeah. Gonna, it's kind of like the southeast pipeline right now <laughs> yeah dry right <laughs> it's coming back though it's coming back yeah, i was gonna ask you about that like how has the ammunition affected you guys at all or you know how's that working out job wise no <laughs> <laughs> yes so yeah so we're we're subject to the same issues that everybody else is um and i think we've all been in the sport long enough to to know that you don't buy just in time you don't buy ammo right before a match so all of us 
are going into the beginning of the season with either thousands of rounds or thousands of uh, components ready to go. A lot of our guys do reload. So uh, everybody has ammo, but it is definitely the, the replenishment isn't there. So we're being, I think everybody's being a little bit more careful on yeah. how often you're going and just blowing ammo at the range. Yes. Uh, the shortage has affected me more mentally than it has physically. So my mentality <laughs> of, oh yeah, let me just go to the range and blast off a few rounds is kind of like, oh, let me, let me just dry fire. Let me pretend like I'm blasting at these targets on my wall. Yeah. 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 For sure. So, hey, that's a huge – you guys – I think you guys probably know this, and, and I'm sure some of the other interviewers have said this, but you can do 95% of what you need to do with dry fire. I agree. Um, it, it's frustrating to me when I see people who, who go to the range um, two, three, four times a month, and they're, they're shooting all the time. And they're not putting in the time of dry fire. Uh, the, your improvement is is going to be so uh, dampened by that, um, and you're you're just being inefficient with your time and resources. You can get ten times the amount of trigger pulls in the same amount of time uh, for free by doing dry fire, and you're practicing almost all of the skills that you need to to be good at the sport just by dry firing. Yep, agree. Yes, sir. You make most of your gains in dry fire. Yeah, sure. we we've talked about that quite a great deal on this uh, on this yeah. show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, dry fire. Real quick, have either one of you listened to the Green Ops episode we had on? No, uh, I'm actually in the middle of the Tim Heron episode, and the Green Ops one is next. Okay, and the reason I bring that up is one of the guys on that episode, Josh Shaw. He's a GM, carry optics guy. But he's also an Intel guy, so he got deployed overseas, and he introduced some... It's in the podcast. It's very interesting how they had some door kickers, and they were asked, hey, what can we do to get better? And he was like, dry fire, and they were like, oh, my God. (laughs) But they did it, and they were like, hey, you know, we actually did it, and we're finding we're improving. So it's, it's an interesting little segment within the podcast. I do want to take a class from Green Ops while I'm out here. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it's yeah, and I mean they they do have a section right there in San Antonio, so not too far mm, from okay. it. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, pretty interesting. Check them out. Um, do do So I I guess you you. You come up with your own competition schedule, but is there like a minimum that you guys would do? Or I imagine there's not a maximum, but a a minimum number of competitions people on the team are expected to shoot? Yeah, so we we push hard for two major matches, and that's a pretty low threshold. uh, But being in the Air Force, it, it fluctuates dramatically. Like last year, I think I only shot... I may have only got one major in just because of COVID and then I was deployed. Um, so I think everybody's kind of understanding of that, but, and then we've like, we have two members up in Alaska. It's really hard for them to shoot majors based on where they're out of right now. So, cause it, it's a lot more traveling for them. Alaska itself only has one or two majors across all the disciplines, you know? So um, it's not a hard requirement, but we do encourage people to, to be shooting that. Now, if, if you're shooting a ton of, 
local matches um, and helping out in the community and bringing people into the sport. That's something that we look at too. We've got guys that do that shoot mainly local matches and they, they're really involved in the sport. And that is it. They're being a great representative and an ambassador of the air force. And that's really what we're looking for. So uh, as far as primary team guys, um, I, I need my guys out there representing at majors and, and doing well. Um, but to, to be on the team in general, I, I need, I need a good professional ambassadors of the air force. I, I did see on your uh, one of the social media, it might have been Facebook, where um, I guess recently you had some guys in the San Antonio area with some high school kids teaching them stuff. Roger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the dentist. That's the <laughs> oh, dentist was it guy. really? He, yeah. 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 He's Good for him. Well, he is very, he's very pro junior. junior. Yes. Okay. Well, you know, he, that's he gets very, very involved with junior sports. Well, that's very interesting because that was going to be one of my questions, you know, with my background being going to an Air Force Junior ROTC military high school. Uh, do you guys actually go out to places like that to draw interest? Because I know when I was there, we used to actually have a rifle rifle team and mm -hmm. uh, we competed against other military high schools and we were actually pretty pretty doggone good i will have to say back then so mm -hmm. i don't know how it is now but back then we were really competitive and a lot of people didn't like the air force junior rtc guys coming in you know um so i i haven't done any of that um i think probably most of our guys haven't uh, and I think that would probably go back more towards the recruitment discussion where it's not really our main priority. So if, if headquarters came down and said that they wanted us to start focusing on that and giving us some resources to just get more involved with that, then I think that's absolutely something we would do. Um, but that's a lot more time also right. away from our job and from shooting. Right. And so yeah, if people get involved in that, it's it's on an individual um, basis. But I think the the type of shooting y'all are doing is not really the kind that we we do either. Well, I I know. Well, I mean, yeah. I was thinking like you know the uh, gentleman Roderick, you know, getting some of these uh, juniors thinking about it now, so that mm -hmm. if they decide to enlist into the Air Force at their senior year after their senior year and in high school, it'd be help something to drive them to go into the Air Force and say, hey, after basic training, then I would like to join this team and, you know, be competitive. So coming yeah, from the enlisted side, um, being a junior enlisted in the Air Force and trying to be competitive would be very difficult, even if you do have experience with it beforehand. Mm -hmm. mostly on a financial side because we do put a lot of our own money and our own funds into this. Gotcha. And then the living situation, living in dormitories on an Air Force base, you're not going to have access to your guns to be able to dry fire because you can't have them in the dormitories. Right. So there, there's a few hiccups, but absolutely, we do want to encourage those juniors. I, there is a cadet shooting team at the Air Force Academy and that could be another route. Mm. Oh, uh, we actually have a team member who works very closely with the cadets at the Air Force Academy. 
Okay, very good. Mm -hmm. All right. You guys have it. Leo, we ran through all your questions. You guys have anything else? Uh, I mean, really, the only other thing, um, not question wise, but kind of towards the end of any of these interviews, we'd like to give our interviewees the opportunity. If there's anything you guys want to talk about, uh, any, any, whatever it may be that you want to, you know, final words of wisdom for. Yeah. yeah. Anything you want to expand on or any type of air force recruiting stuff, whatever. I have a question for you all. I'd be curious. I'm always interested in, in what people think of when, they, when they see. Oh, oh, okay. All right. That answers my question. <laughs> no, I'm just curious what people think uh, when they when they see the Air Force jerseys walking around the shooting range. We do get a lot of people, especially folks that are crown eaters um, and, and former soldiers uh, that like to make fun of us for, oh, Air Force has got a shoot team. Let's see if you can hit the broadside. I'll have you know they but, taste good, those crayons. I don't the want red to ones it. are like cherries. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That took my question. What's your favorite? Uh, I really like the way my poop looks afterwards. I'm just saying. Uh, I do think you guys have very smart looking jerseys. I will say that. And unlike yeah. ours, they don't oh, look God. like uh, traffic cones. <laughs> I, I, I actually, having been former military, I, I like seeing military jerseys. Yep. Like I haven't seen any Navy jerseys. Um, I would actually like to see all of the branches of service out there competing with everybody because I, I think it makes you guys better, makes civilians better, it just and mm. it still creates that cohesion between civilian shooters, military shooters, and makes everybody a big team. I can point you in the direction of the Navy team. <laughs> yeah, they the have Great a team. Lakes? It, let, let us know. No, actually, uh, uh, there's one down in uh, Chesapeake, Virginia. Oh. oh, okay. But they're the so only they, jersey they have I haven't new. seen of the four. Yeah, they're, they're, I think uh, there's only three or four members so far. They're just getting it started uh, from the ground up as an official team. And I think they're kind of set up in, in our way where they're, they're all doing their own. They've got their day jobs, and then they, they get kind of similar support that we do, if, if I'm – That's correct. So I have, I have a follow-up question to that then. Uh Coast Guard, Space Force, shooting teams? Yes, no. Um, uh, Coast Guard has one. Coast Guard actually has one. Okay. Uh, I have seen. I I don't know any of the members, but I've seen one walking around the range one time. Maybe it was at Frostproof. I think actually. I know one. Um, okay, and then Space Force is they 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 actually fall under us uh, uh. as far as shooting teams. So. I asked that question. We we will accept uh, applications from Guardians. If there are any Space Force dudes or dudettes out there that, that want to be on the team, you'll be on the Air Force shooting team. So we actually have a guy who's a reservist on the team, and if he were active duty, he would be in the Space Force. So they're not. there's no plans for them to have a, a, t- a shooting team uh, anytime in the future. Do they know I was going to say they can't allowed. shoot lasers at competition. That's why. That's it's right. Not, not allowed. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll make sure we clarify that. Uh, I think they probably wouldn't score very well if they were shooting lasers. It's not going like, to put a very big like the stormtroopers. The they'd just constantly be shooting and they'd always miss. <laughs> Worst <laughs> aim ever. We'll have to, Nick. I don't think we've made fun of Huck for that one yet. We'll have to do that. Yeah, you can do it now. We're we're always out for making. I'll make fun sure of he somebody. listens to you guys. They heard around yes. the world. Oh no, no, no. Yep. We're, we're we're here to uplift uplift people here. We'll there you go. We'll berate them. <laughs> gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Perfect. 
Oh, well, yeah, but like I said, if there's anything else you guys want to discuss before we get out of here, um, here is your platform. By all means, uh, let us know, and then uh, we'll let you go about your day. Uh, uh, any airmen that are interested in the shooting sports or preferably are well-established in the shooting sports and would like to be representatives of the Air Force, go ahead and reach out to me. Um, I'm on Facebook at Nick Fralick. Uh, Freilich is spelled F-R-A-L-I-C-K. You can find me on Instagram at practical underscore catum, C-A-T-M. I'd love to talk about the shooting sports and uh, way forward in the shooting sports in the Air Force with you. All right. Yep. And uh, anybody anybody who's interested, whether you're in the Air Force or not, think about joining, um, please reach out to us. Best way is on social media. Uh, the Facebook page is um, facebook.com slash USAF Action Shooting. And the Instagram is USAF underscore AST. Uh, shoot us a message and we'll get back to you within a day or two on that. Um, and, and whether you're whether you're good or not good or just getting interested, I would love to help you um, get get you pointed in the right direction on how to get involved in sport. Um, I would I would it'd be it would make my day if if so many more people in the Air Force uh, or in the military in general were into shooting sports because um, it there's no better way to build and see than through competition and especially in our line of work it, it's it's a necessary evil to be competent and safe with handguns so and firearms in general sorry so yeah reach out to us love to help you um and just appreciate you guys uh, interviewing us and having us on the podcast it's our pleasure thank uh, you one more thing if if you guys don't mind if there are any airmen or anyone in the the national capital region would like to go to a practical shooting match again reach out to me and i will would love to be your guide into the shooting sports and I will say, for all those out there, uh, they do get back to you very quickly. That's that's how we got in touch yeah. with them. And it was, you can't say anything about the Air Force not being punctual. Yeah. Nick will chaperone you to a match. Yep. Yes. There's no such thing as on time. You're only either early or late. <laughs> it's a powerful mustache. Conveys authority. <laughs> thank you. Well, and, and thank you guys for coming on. We appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thank you guys a lot. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. You're welcome.